Welcome to the audio sermons of South Baton Rouge Presbyterian Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We hope you are encouraged by listening. For more information, please feel free to browse our site at www.sbrpc.org. Actually, at uh, Jack and I's wedding, and I'll uh, I bring this up because it was an awesome wedding. It was a joyful wedding. Um, after it was in December, I got on one knee and proposed and gave Jackie the string. I was ready to get married like then and there, but Jackie's got to find a dress and we got to prepare a wedding. We got to plan a party, and that's one thing uh, visiting Baton Rouge a couple times before we got married that I know to be true is y'all know how to party. I don't even know how to. T- I, I don't need to tell y'all that. Um, and so getting ready for a wedding, I don't know if those of you who are married guys, if you were active or inactive, I was most excited about a few things. I was excited about the chocolate chip cookies for the groom's cake and like milk and chocolate milk. And Jackie was really excited about her dress that she could dance in. But we were both really excited about another factor and that was meeting with DJ Sean, our DJ at the wedding. And why do I say this? Because we had an hour with him and say, and went over what was our dancing going to be like? What did we want to dance to? We had a do not play playlist. So even if someone comes up to the DJ and says, I want to play this song, if it's one of these five songs, nope, can't do it. And I started the night with a white shirt. I ended the night with a gray shirt. I mean, I was sweating so much. People were coming, people were coming up to me and just giving me a glass of water, like, you need to hydrate. And the next day, I actually cramped because I like danced so hard. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever done that before. Um, And the reason I mention that is because this psalm, the last psalm, is a celebration of what God has done. And if you've ever been to a good celebration, like Jack and I's wedding, uh, it's something to experience. And it's fun. And um, I'm sure someone this this series has said, not all the psalms are like this. In fact, two-thirds of the psalms are laments. But why does the last psalm end with just joyous praise? That's what we're going to be looking at today. So I'm going to read scripture and then pray and then dive in. Psalm 150, starting in verse 1. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his beautiful heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me pray. Lord, you are worthy of praise, and we thank you for that. Uh, thank you that you have given us your word because you love us and want us to get to know you more. Um, thank you that it is unchanging and it is lasting. I pray that you would use this time to encourage us by it. We ask this in your name. Amen. So Mark Futada, he's an RTS professor, um, he says this, that the whole book has been driving towards praise as its final destination. Uh, I watched the video a few weeks ago of Charles, and he gave a psalm of praise. So the last five books uh, of the psalm, of the Psalter, are hallelujah psalms. They all begin and end with praise the Lord. And to be teaching for just a second, uh, hallelujah is translated praise the Lord, and it's hallelujah is, is the praise part, and then Yah is a short version of Yahweh, which is covenantal name of the Lord. Um, So it's awesome. We get to see uh, in this psalm, we're going to be looking at three things to keep it Presbyterian. We're going to be looking at who's doing the praising, who's praising who. We're going to be looking at 
why? Why do we praise? And thirdly, lastly, we're going to be looking at the how of praise. So I'm sure the first time you even read the psalm to yourself or heard it, praise the Lord. That's okay. That's who we're going to be praising. Uh, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. As I just mentioned, praise the Lord, it encompasses not just... uh, not just the Lord, but a covenantal name of Yahweh. This goes back to Exodus. When God said to Moses, I am who I am. At the burning bush, he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. And it's really cool because Jesus equates himself to Yahweh. And he's in front of Pharisees and scribes, and they're about to stone him. They want to like murder him for blasphemy. When he says in John 8, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So the Yah of hallelujah is not just God the Father, it's also Jesus. He is equating himself with Yahweh. That's why before in the doxology, we sang not just praise the Father, but praise the Son as well. It is awesome. So that's who we're praising. And there's a couple practical uh, implications here. Um, If we're praising God, and it's 13 times we're told we're commanded to praise God, what, what about me? Well, I want to be praised. Um, but the who is very explicit that we're praising God um, for what he's done. And even there's a sense of the where. This is just a side tangent of praise God in his sanctuary in the mighty heavens. So he sets up a sanctuary, the tabernacle, after redeeming his people, um, the exodus, they're getting away from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. They've been redeemed. And now this is the place the holy tabernacle, the sanctuary of God, where you can um, be close to God, where you can draw near to God, he draws near to you. Then further along in the Old Testament, it was the temple. Um, And Solomon got that built, and that is the the place where the priest can come and you can draw near to God. And that's in the sanctuary. But praise him in his mighty heavens has a a feel of like, we're not in heaven yet, are we just praising him because he's up there? It gives a sense of Revelation 5 where everyone's praising him, even the angels, and we're going to be in heaven um, praising him with the angels and with everyone else too. Revelation 5 says this, then I look, John says this in his vision, I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands on thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. So Israelites during this time wouldn't just think of, oh, we need to do this by ourselves. They're thinking like, oh, this is like a corporate thing of uh, angels are joining in. And not only that, but revelation, that's what we're looking forward to, new heavens and new earth. So there's an awesome reality of this is not just in the past where Israelites were singing their songs, singing their emotions. This is like what we're going to be doing in heaven. It's going to be awesome. This isn't going to be a boring party. This is going to be like a wedding celebration party. There's going to be dancing, and we're going to be, uh, we're going to be glorifying Jesus and the Father. So that's who. That's the who of the psalm. Um, but it's also important to look at, like, man, why, do we, why do we do this? Why are we going to praise uh, Yahweh? In verse 2, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. So first, mighty deeds, and then second, his excellent greatness. They're intertwined, but we'll look at them specifically. Mighty deeds, when Israelites heard this psalm, they would have thought back to creation, the works of creation that were recorded. God spoke, and then, wow, there it is. 
there's the light, there's earth, there's humankind, there's animals. They also would have thought about how they were in slavery for 400 years and what a great act of redemption that Jesus, that God, that Yahweh brought through uh, the Israelites. They brought them to the promised land. But I can't help think that these Israelites who were redeemed in like this awesome miracle of parting the Red Sea and you get to the other side, the Egyptians are, you know, they're dead, and then they don't make it to the promised land. Y'all know this. It was for 40 years after they uh, worship the golden calf, they have to wait for 40 years in the desert. And so some of you might be thinking like, this is, uh, this guy has a lot of energy and uh, this is like an energetic psalm. Like, what if I don't feel like praising the Lord? Well, part of his mighty deeds is God being faithful to the Israelites for 40 years when things were hard, when there was suffering, when there was waiting. And some of you all felt that in your life right now. Uh, there's waiting for relationships to be reconciled, or there's waiting for another job, or there's waiting for suffering to stop, um, either physically or mentally. And so part of looking at God and his mighty deeds is to say he's been faithful through the hard times as well. And it's not our deeds, it's, it's his deeds. That's important to know too. Uh, second, and this is intertwined with his mighty deeds, um, this is an excellent greatness. So Paul, Paul gets really excited about this in Colossians 1. Uh, it's this thing called the Christ hymn, where it was a lot of commentators, a lot of biblical scholars think that uh, everyone kind of knew this hymn in the first century. So Colossians 1, I'll read it and uh, then make a little connection. But it's 1, 16 through 20. This is talking about Jesus. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross." Why do I mention this other hymn that Paul gets excited about Jesus? This is part of Yahweh's resume sheet. His rap sheet is everything I just read. He's creator. He's the beginning. He's the fullness of God. He's the head of the church. This is Jesus. This is how good he is. This is his excellent greatness. It's amazing. That is the why we are praising. Because he's reconciled himself to all things. That's worthy of praising. That's awesome. That's good news. C.S. Lewis says this. Uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism says that the first question, that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Everyone is probably familiar with that one. Then he goes on to say, we shall then know that these things are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. So part of the reason why we praise God and his excellent greatness because of his mighty deeds is to actually enjoy him. It's not just a formal thing we do on Sundays. We're like, oh, we have to do this. We're being shaped by worship and shaped by the way we praise him. Isaiah says this in a similar way that we are made to do this. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory. So we're actually made to do this. this like when we praise, we are doing what we are made to do. And it's an awesome thing. 
But to really see the, uh, the weightiness of God's mighty deeds and excellent greatness, like why do we even need that? I'm okay by myself. We really need to see the need for a savior to come and save us. We need to see how we don't know, we can't get in the promised land by ourselves. We can't um, succeed by ourselves. Our mighty resume will not be enough. Um, and so I'll illustrate this with uh, a story, and I'll be three quick stories, and I'll change a fact each time. So I want you to do a crazy thing and imagine that you live in Washington, D.C. It's crazy. I know it's cold, and that, like, Jack and I hate the cold, but just imagine for a minute. Put yourself in Washington, D.C., and it's January. It actually is freezing cold. It's like a, a blizzard. And you're, on, you're in your car, and you're on a bridge in standstill traffic because it's a blizzard. Everything's shut down. And you look to your left, and there's all these cars. You look to your right, and it's the Potomac. Like, large like, chunks of ice are going down. And then you look to your left again, and someone gets out, like unbuckles their seatbelt, gets out of the car, and dives in the river. Gut reaction is like, this guy must be crazy, like insane or stupid. He's about to just die. Okay, so that's one perspective. Now let me add a fact. So uh, you're still on the bridge, but moments beforehand, Air Florida had taken off and then shortly afterwards crashed partly on the bridge and then into the Potomac water. And so this guy, his name's Lenny Skutnik, this is based on a true story, he gets out of his car and he dives in the river. And to save the people that are blinded by, like, jet fuel, uh, they're too cold and weak to, like, really hold on to any ropes that are being, like, uh, sent to them, tossed their way. And so he recognizes and he dives in the water to save them. So that changes the perspective a little bit. Maybe you're in your car and you're like, oh, maybe I should like reevaluate my life. Like, I'm not a hero like that. And this is awesome because this is like how we view Jesus sometimes. Like, how, uh, how Lenny dove in and, and like saved those who couldn't save themselves. But let me, let me change the perspective one more time. You're the one in the water. You're the one blinded by jet fuel. You're the one who can't see the rope and you're totally just done for if no one saves you. If then Lenny comes and dives in the water and then saves you, you would want to thank him for the rest of your life. Your life would be changed. I was dead in the water, literally, in like 30 seconds, and then you saved me. Friends, that's what Jesus does for us. We are dead in the water in our sins, and Jesus comes and saves us. And so do we, what do we owe? Our whole lives to Jesus, to praise him. That's amazing. So instead of looking at our resume or wanting to be impressive, coming here to a church that I don't usually go to, getting ordained a couple months ago and be like, I'm going to impress these people. Ah, you're missing the point. You're supposed to praise the Lord. Like, I would love a pat on the back after this, but maybe y'all wouldn't get the idea that the whole idea of, like, this is about Jesus and not me. I'm tempted to think about that, um, to praise myself. What, what are ways between the Sundays that you are tempted to not give God his worthy weight of saving us, of not to think of his excellent greatness and mighty deeds. Maybe it's in the office when you want to be impressive, or maybe when you just meet someone and you want to say, like, oh, here's my resume, it's great. Um, There's little ways we do it um, and just forget about how good the Lord is. Or maybe when you're going through a hard time and you've been sinned against and you've been harmed and wronged, and you're like, man, what's going on, God? Can Can I really say, like, I praise you? Like, your excellent... Your excellent greatness and mighty deeds are worth praising? Yes. 
even in suffering, even in waiting, the why is because his excellent greatness, because he saved us and we didn't deserve saving. And not only the why is important of this psalm, of like why we are praising, but also the manner in which we praise, the how. Uh, verses three through six say this, praise him with trumpet sound, praise him with lute and harp, praise him with tambourine and dance, praise him with strings and pipe, praise him with sounding cymbals, praise him with loud clashing cymbals, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So there's a few observations I want to point out um, about these verses. At first I was like, okay, he's just praising with different instruments, big deal. Uh, but if you've been to like an LSU game after a touchdown, it's not just the trumpet or the trombone. It's like the whole band is going crazy, and you can feel that, right? With this psalm, it's supposed to be like you can feel that it's not just a solo. And practically, it's not just a solo. Like, it's not just your gift of praise. It's the whole congregation. Um, it's awesome to see that it's not just um, one person supposing supposedly uh, praising the Lord. It's let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Even if you're not, uh, you know, skilled with a trumpet or tambourine or you can't dance, there's all these different uh, instruments. But at the end, it doesn't matter. Let everything that has, praise, that has breath praise the Lord. And so that's encouraging. Um, Mark Fafada, again, he says this, music, and you know this to be true, music makes the message memorable. This is why you sing your ABCs when you're learning the alphabet. This is why Jackie still knows all the words to Bye 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 by NSYNC. This is how I actually memorized the shorter catechism was to music. I can't remember all 107 of those things without music. Like, I, like music gets in your soul. He goes on to say, all of God's key acts are accompanied by music. Creation, the Exodus, incarnation, the final redemption. Music is powerful. God does not simply want us to comprehend the message. He wants us to be moved by it, moved in every aspect of our being. And music, you know this, has a unique power to move the human spirit. God wants to move us, so he communicates in a way that touches the mind, the body, the emotions, and the spirit. That's why we have all these instruments. That's why it's uh, a congregation. Um, the mind and the body and emotions and spirit are being moved. You can feel this when you go to like a Taylor Swift concert. You're not just like, yeah, um, Taylor Swift, this is great. You're like all into it, and like this is the best, this is awesome. And to that point, when, after you go to a Taylor Swift concert, if the friends you invited didn't come, you're like telling them like, oh man, this was the best concert, let me tell you about it. And we actually see a little bit of that tone here. Uh, the last verse, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Who do you know that's not praising the Lord? Who do you know that doesn't know the Lord, he, that doesn't know his excellent greatness, and his mighty deeds? Are there people in your life that you work with or your neighbors that actually don't know? There's a, there's a tone to say like, well, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So if they're not praising the Lord, share his wonderful greatness with other people. That's like an awesome implication. So good. So we see that it's collective. We see that there's an evangelistic tone. Um, but we're also... Uh, we can also self-reflect and say, do I do that? Uh, what, am, what am I consuming? What am I like praising in between Sundays? Uh, for me, on the way here from New Orleans this morning, I got a notification and it said, I won't share the exact, but it's like how much time I'd spend on my iPhone. 
and I'd be embarrassed to say it from the pulpit, you know? <laughs> like, here's your daily, here's how much media you consumed on your phone. Um, but what are you being moved by? Um, and what uh, are you giving weight to in between Sundays? This isn't saying, this, this uh, psalm isn't implying, hey, you should just be singing to yourself, like, hymns, like, Monday, Tuesday, when like, you're trying to get work done, you should just be praising God. But more so the implication, the application of this is praising God, remembering what he's done, and that could be remembering what he's done and then going to, uh, to paint in a way that glorifies God. It doesn't have to be a Christian painting. Um, or going to the office and remembering that this is uh, a gift that God has given us to work. And because he's already, like, his resume has already um, been enough for me, I can actually rest and taking a break. Like, students, this means you can get a B or a C and actually be okay with life. You don't have to get all A's. Um, you don't have to be involved in every uh, extracurricular. You can rest in the work that Jesus has done. And you can be encouraged to still praise him. Some of you are thinking, man, this is like, we're commanded 13 times to praise, but like, I know I don't do this perfectly. And that's okay. Neither do I. <laughs> but I want you to be encouraged because there was only one person that could do this perfectly, and it was Jesus. It was Yahweh, who could praise the Father perfectly. It's awesome because in Mark uh, 15, it's recorded that he's going to the cross and he utters this loud cry at the end where he's been on the cross for hours and he breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the son of God. So a couple of things. Interestingly enough, the only time you see God the Father audibly say something in the New Testament is when he's proud of his son, like, hey, here's Jesus, he's my son, whom I'm well pleased. And then Jesus, so he lives a life of obedience that we couldn't live. He goes to the cross and dies the death that we deserve. And then with his last crying breath, that gives us access to God. See, the temple was the place you went in the Old Testament to get to God, direct access. And now the temple's torn in two. Now we have direct access. We, our bodies are temples. If you're uh, united with Christ, we have the Holy Spirit in ourselves. And again, going back uh, to the doxology, it's not just the Father we praise or the Son we praise, it's actually the Holy Spirit. He's the one doing a work in us through song and through the preaching of the Word and through reading the Bible. These are ways that you can praise God on the daily um, without having to audibly sing or be uh, at Sunday worship. And so because Jesus breathes his last, we are given the opportunity to have life in him. And if that's not an invitation to praise him and to praise uh, his mighty deeds, I don't know what is. So will you pray with me real quick? God, thank you that you are the one who gives us life. You are the one who sacrificed yourself so that we could praise you. Uh, Lord, would you be gracious to us when we don't do this perfectly on Sundays and between Sundays with our mixed motives and how we want to make things about ourselves, Lord? Um, would you be kind to us and remind us of your great love for us? Remind us of the words that you told Jesus, that you are well pleased with us, even in our shortcomings, because you see Jesus and you see his perfect score that we now have, um, his righteousness. Uh, and would we be eager to tell our friends and family and neighbors about this? That would be a huge, huge blessing uh, if, you would, if you would bless that as well. Uh, we ask these things in your name. Amen. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to this audio sermon of South Baton Rouge Presbyterian Church. Please feel free to pass it along to others who might be encouraged by this message. Also, if you have any questions or would like to know more about the church or a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, please feel free to browse our website at www.sbrpc.org or contact the church office directly at area code 225-768-9999. Again, thank you for listening.